Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. My name is Garrett. I'm the worship pastor here at Spring Hills. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I've got Pastor Brett and Pastor John Knapp here in the green room with me. And we are going to recap our most recent sermon series, I Need a Miracle. Now, if you missed out on any of these sermons, you can check them out on our YouTube channel. And also, don't forget, on the weekends, you can join us for Church Online or Church on the Lawn. Go to springhills.org or download the free Spring Hills app to find more information on when those services are and how you can join us online. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. This is our series recap of I Need a Miracle. Well, welcome to Brett and John for coming in today. We're going to do a series recap for you on the series I Need a Miracle. So we were able to do all of these outside, which is great. But Brett, you had taught uh, also midweek, so you can, uh, for the online, church online, church on the lawn. So either one you were at, um, you can find these messages online to listen to on our YouTube channel, and you can also find them on the Spring Hills podcast. Um, So we started off week one. You had talked about, just at the start, 35 miracles recorded in the New Testament. Um, They identified Jesus as the true Son of God. If you don't believe me believe the works that I do, uh, the miracles were signs. I wanted to ask you, this is maybe an unanswerable question because I have no idea. Uh, would there have been more miracles that just weren't recorded? Oh yeah, there's tons. If, if you look at the gospel of John in chapter 20, uh, John ends his gospel by saying uh, that if all the miracles that Jesus performed had been written down, all the libraries in the world couldn't have contained them. So, uh, But John says the ones that he chose in, in and recorded in his gospel were, were so that you'd believe Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God, and that you'd have life in his name. So Jesus did many, many, many miracles that were not recorded. Cool. Um, so yeah, Brett, give us a little bit of an idea of where why you went with this series. Why four weeks? Why these passages? Well, it's a great question. <laughs> I, think, I think in the midst of COVID-19, uh, when the programming staff got together and we tried to decide what to do. Uh, that idea, I need a miracle right now, just uh, resonated with everybody. And it was like, we need something encouraging here. We need to see God work in the midst of this uh, pandemic and the discouragement of it. So it was really, uh, you know, miracles are encouraging. I mean, and God works through different situations by providence and so really the impetus was let's encourage some people. Right, right, right. Yeah. So what, John, want to give your general thoughts on this series? I loved it. It was great. You know, did the, you want to teach in this series and you just didn't get to? No, uh, <laughs> no, it was, I, I, I always enjoy a good message uh, when I get to listen, you know, and, and learn. But the idea of I need a miracle, I, I agree with the programming staff and with Brett, the, the vision. I could, when I heard about this series, my mind just thought like how, moms and dads and single people and just like anybody can identify with this need of just, I need something miraculous to happen. Like there, it like we couldn't have scripted this pandemic to go this way, but we probably can say that people are at a place where they need something miraculous to happen. Right. And so, yeah, I really enjoyed learning the, the the practical side of, you know, what do these miracles mean for us today? Right. That God is still in the business of working miracles in our lives. It may look very different than the miracles that we're reading and we're, we're learning from up front on Sunday or Saturday night. But at the core of who they are, the miracle is the work of Christ in your life and the, the salvation that we've received and the, 
and the miracle of new life in him. And I, I think that, you know, the, 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 the whole four weeks is just a great reminder, a great mirror to kind of reflect back to who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And the miracle that he worked in these lives is very possible for a miracle to be worked in our lives. Um, but again, it might not be that our vision is going to be, you know, restored um, physically, but there can be a different, uh, maybe a spiritual vision that can be Yeah, that's good. That's good, John. I think people need to have always a big picture of who God is. I mean, the the key to anything in life is seeing God for who he really is, his power, his love, his grace, his mercy. And certainly when you look at the miracles of Jesus, you're reminded that the Son of God who's in you uh, can do the impossible, can do anything. When, when we look to ourselves and our own abilities, our own wit and knowledge and and skill to get ourselves out of situations, boy, you can become discouraged really fast. But if you are reminded by seeing in Scripture who Jesus is and you look to him, now all of a sudden, you know, there's more peace in your life, you're expectant, uh, you're even excited about what God can do in impossible situations. Right. I don't want to jump ahead, but you just with week three, you had this uh, this spot in week three. I think you ended with it where you did this. Who is this? Who is Jesus, the Son of God? And you went over this over and over. Uh, and I thought it was so powerful the way that you went through that just to explain that these miracles are explaining who he is. And sometimes we forget who God is and the miracles show us exactly who he was. Um, John 5, this is where you started off the series at, John 5. One through three. Uh, I did have a question though. I noticed that the ESV doesn't have verse four. Yeah, um, very good question. And yeah, when you when you read the ESV, it just skips it. it yeah. Goes, <laughs> Is there what's the reason? Well, because for that? that verse does not appear in the oldest Greek manuscript copies that we have. Okay. So the ESV translators chose to leave it out. It's it's a verse that says that people believe that when the waters were stirred that an angel would come down and right. the first one in would be healed. So, um, you know, when the New Testament translators are putting together the New Testament from manuscripts, uh, the oldest ones are usually regarded as the most reliable. So, okay. Uh, yeah, that's why it's not there. But it is interesting. And all of a sudden you go, where's verse four? I, I was, was looking through out. it and I'm like, yeah. oh, I wonder if there's an error. Because I'm online, right? I'm on Bible <laughs> Gateway and I'm looking at it. I'm like, ooh, Bible Gateway errors, man. Look at that. Uh, does it happen in other spots in the Bible with oh, yeah. ESV? Okay, oh, so yeah. it's it's not... Uh, and usually the translators will make a note, like at the end of uh, Mark 16. You'll see down at the bottom. You'll see at the bottom is... that the oldest manuscripts don't include verses 10 through whatever. And John 8, it's the same way. Okay. Uh, so when, uh, you know, there's two philosophies about uh, the Greek manuscript. One philosophy is that the oldest is best. So find the oldest copy hmm. and go with it. The other philosophy is that the preponderance is best. So if you have more copies of uh, a passage, you know, more copies, it's called the majority idea. Mm-hmm. You have more copies than that, that uh, those translators Support. go with the majority yeah, because they believe that the most copies would have been made of the original. Mm. So okay. without getting into the, into the weeds here. Right. <laughs> well, verses one through three say, after, the, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Ara- Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed, 
how do you say that word? Colonnades. Colonnades. Uh, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Now, you mentioned you've seen this pool. Yes. John, have you also? I've, I've seen the pool as well. Okay, so since you both had this opportunity, and you've seen some other pretty amazing places since you were able to go. Uh, now, you've been a couple times, right, Brett? Over to yes. Israel? Okay. Yes. Um, so what's the feeling like? Walking the roads where you know Jesus has walked, seeing places like this. What do you, because I've, I've, this is such a terrible comparison, but I've been to like, movie sets you know like the mall and back to the future where i'm like back to the future is my favorite movie i see it i'm like oh this is cool yeah same idea but, i mean really oh but yeah but also we're talking it's about real something to- it's real yeah. and it's something that so what's the feeling like when you walk those roads well you know a lot of people didn't believe that the pool of bethesda existed until it was discovered in 1888 uh, many you know and that's that that's what you see with biblical archaeology these these places are excavated usually they're building a building of some sort uh-huh. and they they find an excavation site and they they unearth these things so but the pool of bethesda is huge i mean when it says yeah. there's five colonnades and there were people many many people laying around i mean it's a huge what's a colonnade area. just the covering okay covering five coverings uh and they actually uh, when you look at the pool of bethesda today you see the shape of it which would have lent itself to these five colonnades. I mean, it's amazing. It's uh, no, it's a, it's a surreal experience. Wouldn't you say, John? I, yeah, it's it's one of those where you, you're looking down from where you see it. You look down to the the pool of Bethesda. I need to look up a picture and, of this while you guys um, are talking about it. And you know, in America, you think of the word pool, and it's not just a, it's not a square with just an open spot right. where people like bathe or not bathe, but like swim and play. Right. Okay. From how I viewed it, there were spots where people could sit and be around it. And it's it's more of a place where people would go and socially, right? Right? I mean, you would think that. Yeah, well, it was uh, a lot of invalids and a lot of, uh, you know, people that uh, were looking for healing because of the belief that uh, when the water the stirred, stirred up, yeah. Yeah, it was fed with a spring. So, like, if the water moved, whoever gets in it next. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Garrett's you're standing. Got a picture of it here. Yeah, you're standing up and you're looking down at it. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, and it had been it had you know the whole city of Jerusalem after all these years is much higher than the original city. So to get mm. to the original city, you've got to dig down, 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 because it just gets covered over year after year, built on top of itself. Yeah. Uh, so it's an amazing all the sites in in Jerusalem and Israel. I mean, you just go. Oh my goodness. You know, everybody has to go to Israel that is a believer. Yeah. I, I think. And you <laughs> yeah. mentioned that you we went, can. I forget which week you mentioned this, but you mentioned that you maybe it was this week where you mentioned you went on this trip and you had non believers in your group and there you would teach and yes. you would say, Who is Jesus? And, and Oh yeah. By I was the end on of that it, trip. <laughs> and now he ended every single Bible study who is with Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Who is man? this Jesus? Jesus? I think that was yeah. the week, week three, when you you did end with who is Jesus. But I was just thinking, how could you how could you go on this tour or whatever you're you want to call it, um, and not believe and like see that this was real and not have your heart just like I mean, I don't know, just so impactful. Like, yeah, just they, see you know, the, the people believe it as an archaeological site, as a historical site. They just, they don't accept they don't believe Jesus the is the and, son of God. Yeah, that he, yeah they don't site. believe in a miracle. It's uh, to them, to them, it would be even our, even our tour guide was not a believer. So, um, yeah. tradition or passed down. And, uh, you know, we, uh, I was talking, joking about with John here. I mean, every time, 
I've gone. We've had the same tour guide, and we always try to convert him to Christ. Yep. Oh, and you you know that you've kind of you kind of know this guy now. Yeah, we've had him twice. Does he and, remember uh, you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. cool. Yeah, his name is Mickey. He's a great guy and uh, brilliant, but not a believer in the miracles or the resurrection so a or anything. Brilliant historian. But yeah. Just right. doesn't have the relationship and the, no. and the faith. No. Interesting. Yeah, when I talked to him, there was always uh, natural causes that could explain the right. miraculous. Oh, wow. You know, so like uh, when Jesus tells the fishermen to throw the net over that side of the boat or in that area, he would respond with, well, it was well known that that was a hot spot for fish. <laughs> All right. You know, or... What about walking the, on the water? Yeah, yeah. What's you get his, to that, though, and you're like, he can't I asked really, him that, and he, yeah. he just kind of looked at me. He had no response for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. what even what about the this this right here, this guy getting yeah. up and walking after he's yeah. been... Does it say how long he'd been there? He'd been there for 38 years. 38 years. That's a long time. <laughs> it is. I'm not... We're not even 38 and years And then Jesus yet. asked him, do you want to get well? You know, it's like, are you kidding me? In <laughs> less than 38 seconds. <laughs> I love the questions that Jesus asks, you know, things like that. Do you want to get well? Some you, some even think that maybe the guy kind of enjoyed just, pawn, you know, pawning money or getting money, mm. begging, and he didn't really want to change his life. Interesting. Just, you know, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating uh, question. Do you want to get well? Yeah, some of the questions every now and then uh, when we read it, Caitlin and I will talk about how we think Jesus has this sense of humor of asking these questions to kind of make making jokes. I can't think of the exact one we were talking about the other day, um, but she'll talk about these every now and then. She's like, is this, because this seems funny, right? Seems this serious? is funny. Because this, why is he asking that question? That's yeah. interesting to think about. So there's this guy, um, he's, he's by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years. Uh, verse five, one man was there who'd been invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he says, do you want to be healed? So Jesus identifies him, tells him that this is the result of what sin does. So let's talk about that for a minute, because you went into that a little bit about how this is the result of what sin does, and it stuck out to me how at the, I forget which verse it is, but he says, uh, sin no more so that, so these bad things don't happen again. Is that? Yeah, sin no more. Where is that? Do you have that open, John? Uh, right around, through. Is it 14 or somewhere in there? Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm wondering if people might look at that and be like, oh, so is this something that <laughs> if I'm sinning, am I getting an immediate punishment for this? And then you went into, no, this is the result of the sin of man, the fall. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, the uh, so Jesus is connecting what's happened to this man in, you know, the uh, sickness of all the people around the pool to sin, and then uh, sin no more that nothing worse could happen to you. It's like the guy the guy gets healed, but he's not a believer as far as we know in Jesus. I mean, he doesn't even know who Jesus is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the, the thing that could happen worse to him wouldn't be more paralysis or something right. like that. It'd be to be eternally lost. Mm -hmm. That's the worst thing mm -hmm. that can happen to somebody is that you get, you get some healing in this life, but you die and you don't have eternal life right. because you failed to come to Jesus as your savior. Yeah. And there, and there's no, once that's, once that, once that's happened, there is no, there is no healing from that. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the horrible side of it all. And I, I really appreciated this part of it too, of, of understanding that, you know, this sickness and not just the, the blindness from this one man, but all the others who are there, um, you know, it's easy for a person 
to to look at their own situation, their circumstances, or quote unquote the the cards that they've been dealt mm-hmm. in life, and then turn and blame you know their situation on on God. Um, I have a daughter who's eight years old and she has a peanut allergy, and often she'll ask me, "Did God give me the peanut allergy?" And you know that is a huge That's question. A hard question yeah. to That's a huge question, and I've began to really talk with her that you know God created you perfect, absolutely perfect. We live in a, a fallen and we live in a sinful world, and and sin is a result, or your peanut allergy is a result of sin, hun, honey. Not not God. God didn't give you this peanut allergy because how horrible for yeah. her to have that beginning of understanding. Gosh, God gave this to me this negative thing, maybe right. different than somebody else. And, you know, maybe you're listening to this and there's something physically about your body or something physically about your family. And, um, you know, you've been tempted to accuse God or, or, or say that it's something he's done to you. But we have to remember sin is the enemy of, of right. why we have And the these good things. news is that, is that God works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I was uh, at a Wednesday night, I think it was at our first Wednesday, I was just grappling with some of my own weaknesses. And You have um, weaknesses? Yeah, Brad, please yeah, tell yeah, us more about <laughs> these weaknesses. <laughs> That's what people weaknesses. really want to hear, alert. don't they? Uh, let's, let's have a podcast on staff weaknesses. Staff weaknesses. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty of them. And I, I was I was thinking, you know, sometimes I get really frustrated with some of the weaknesses I have. But I realized that the weaknesses I have keep me dependent and before God and keep me seeking mm. God and keep me humble before God, keep me uh, relishing in the mercy and grace and love of God. And so, I mean, God could, you could become a Christian. God could take all your weaknesses away, mm-hmm. but he chooses like he did with the apostle Paul to keep the thorn in the flesh so that power yeah. would come out of that. Right. Uh, so even in peanut allergies or physical stuff, and Hey, we all got stuff. Everybody's got stuff. Everybody's got it. Um, but with that, there is the grace of God and the power of God that might not be experienced, you know, in, yeah. in any other way, but it, through our weakness. Yeah. One of the things that I loved in, in um, week one of I Need a Miracle is pointing out that Jesus didn't try to just get him into the pool. He just healed him. Just says, get up and walk. He didn't, yeah. he didn't you know, pick him up and carry him into the pool. And it made me think of that in my own life of just like, what are the, some of the things that that I'm looking for God to do. And I'm like, I need, I need God to give us, um, Caitlin and I were talking about this, you know, financial things where it's like, we need God to just give us a big check and take care of this. And Caitlin and I were saying today, it's like, no, what we've learned over the last couple of years is what God's giving us is wisdom on how to, how to prepare for these things. And it's not, it's not just the immediate quick fix of, of let me carry you into the pool and give you what you give you what you think you need. Because what you really need is wisdom, so you're going to be able to do this for the rest of your rest of your life and be prepared for um, for the things that you need financially. And it's that's mm-hmm. kind of a um, a loose analogy to or comparison. Yeah, with I this. think that what's a, what's in your pool. That's a really good. Uh, that's a, I think that's a key detail in this narrative that you could miss. That um, they're all trying to get in the pool, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 people. Some people have an advantage because they're helped to get in by family, friends, whatever. Other people have a disadvantage, but they're all trying to do it. Uh, and Jesus comes and with no regard to the pool at all, just says, rise, take up your bed and walk. He doesn't need this. Uh, he comes directly to us. And, and that's a picture of salvation too, where he saves us 
uh, by his direct work in our life. He doesn't need, he didn't come to help us save ourselves. He didn't come to help us, you know, pull up our bootstraps. He didn't come to help us get in the pool. I mean, he does it. Mm-hmm. it it's the miracle of, of grace, but we all, yeah, we all have our pool. We're trying to get in to solve our problems and, uh, you know, we're all the worse for it. Mm-hmm. We need to, uh, turn to Jesus, let him do a miraculous direct work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, miracles are recorded to show us that Jesus is the son of God. Anything else on week one before we jump to week two? Yeah, I think that's good. Great. All right. So week two, Exodus 14, I will say, I'll admit that this was my favorite one. Uh, of the four, not to nothing against Carl this weekend, uh, but the reason that this is my favorite is just because I felt like I could relate to it. Uh, the the grumbling, especially the grumbling that we see later on in this passage. Mm-hmm. But uh, Exodus fourteen verses one and two. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of." And I'm not going to attempt to pronounce this. You did such Pi- a good job. Piharuth. Piharuth. Okay, between uh, Migdal and in front of. Baal Zephon. I don't know how close I that am on that. That was good. That's good. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. So God takes them a different route. He does right. this to demonstrate. So he has, he's going to demonstrate his power. I thought this was so interesting because I've heard this story so many times. We've seen it in, you know, Sunday school videos that the, the Jews, uh, the Israelites are coming up to the Red Sea and they're waiting. And you see it in Prince of Egypt, that movie. And, you know, just things like that. And I've never really looked at that God took them a different route. He didn't take them directly to the promised land because he was going to demonstrate his power and he needed to prepare them. Yeah, they weren't they, weren't, they weren't ready. If they, It says, and I can't remember the exact uh, passage now, but it's in this context. It says that uh, he didn't take them by way of the Philistines, which would have been a direct route from, from Egypt to the promised land. Mm-hmm. He didn't take them because they weren't ready for battle. They mm-hmm. weren't ready to face... Uh, the Philistines in in battle. So he takes them down by way of Red Sea and the Red Sea, and he's going to do these miracles to prepare them for what he wants to give them. Um, and so trials, you know, one of my points was I during this message was not to resent the trial. Don't resent it. Mm. It's easy for us. You know, I don't like what's going on. I hate this. And we can get into this negative, like the Israelites, you know, you took us, you brought us out here. Were there no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to kill us? And, and we resent. I feel like this right now yeah. with, with COVID. Oh, right man. now, I'm like, well, were there no graves in Egypt? Yeah, Jeez. I know. Are there no graves in LA that you brought me to Sonoma <laughs> County? I mean, that's how it feels. But he's he's preparing them. He's going to show them him, you know, his person, his power, mm. and he has the whole promised land ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But we're not ready to, you know, to enjoy all that God has given us without going through some. Trials where we see who he is. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. yeah. Exodus 14, 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? And then you jump to uh, verse 10, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord, and this is where you said they just kind of freaked out a little bit. Uh, and Moses, what'd you do? Bring us here to die? What are you doing, Moses? We should just go back to Egypt. I can't imagine the frustration that Moses would have had. Oh my God! When somebody goes, let's just go back to Egypt, man. Like, no, 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 Moses. I'm not being a troublemaker. I'm just saying I don't think you thought this all the way through here. So yeah, I mean, Pharaoh, Pharaoh sees that they are trapped. 
they're trapped. I mean, they, they have the Red Sea in front of them. They have these mountains on both sides of them. And he's coming up from behind. I mean, they have nowhere to go. They're not going to go over the mountains. And the Red Sea's blocked them off. They're so. not going to go through the Red Sea. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, so. and you mentioned that it, this is because they didn't know a lot about God yet, right? This is why God yeah. wanted to demonstrate his power. And so it's like, when I look at the things in my own life, I think the same thing. I go, well, we're not going to go through the Red Sea. That's not going to be possible. Right. And it's because I haven't either, I haven't, I haven't been watching, I haven't been listening, I haven't been learning but I haven't seen God demonstrate the power, or I just have forgotten that I've seen God demonstrate the power, and I've gone back to grumbling and being like, well, this isn't going to happen again. You know, this isn't going to work. Oh, we're so much like this. Uh, And Moses says, stop, you know, be still, Still. be quiet. Don't uh, make things worse. Yeah, fear not, be silent. Yeah, and uh, you will see the salvation of God. And um, yeah, but being Moses, he's one guy I want to talk to in heaven. I just think... He went through more than any other leader ever in history, no doubt, with these people, these people. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, would that be, that's kind of a sidetracked question, but would that be the one you would choose? I'm mean, oh, besides yeah. Jesus. I mean, I want to sit down with Moses and I want to sit down with the Apostle Paul. I was going to say, Paul's got to be up there for He's, oh, uh, yeah, I love him. He's amazing. Uh, David. But, uh, Moses, what a, what a picture of, uh, and a humble, he was a humble man. I think the Prince of Egypt, by the way, people haven't seen that. I think that's a great depiction. It's, it's great. It's, yeah, it's I think cool. it's very well done. Yeah. I'm surprised that it's done as well as it is. And with especially with some of the people that are involved, you're kind of shocked that it's yeah, as good it's, as it is. And he seems like a pretty humble Moses. And Moses was, you know, it says in the scripture, he's the most, the meekest man in the earth. So, uh, but boy, did he, he have to deal with some people that were in fear. But we're the same way. Yeah. We're that way. Like you said, Garrett, I mean, you. You get up against uh, an impossible situation, which, you know, even with the church now, the setback with COVID-19, you know, shutting down again. And uh, I I have been very frustrated with what I can't control, yeah. you know, very frustrated. And uh, yet in that situation with Moses, they, what, what could they do? Um, so they cry out, they complain, they make things worse. I, I maybe the one principle I should I should apply to my own life is when it's impossible, at least don't make it worse by yeah. complaining. You know, I mean, let's be quiet, let's pray, or be quiet. Yeah, I grumble all the time. We've made a rule now. Caitlin and I have made a rule where when we get home and one of us has had a frustrating day, we don't start by talking about the frustration. We have to stop and be like, hey, give it what's three positives about the day. That's and we have great. to start that way. Otherwise, the rest of our night we'll we'll start venting. Just we'll depressed. Start, yeah. And it and just we can tank. It's, it's a, a spiral. spiral yeah. We and we tank hard with that. And it's her <laughs> and I do not differ in this. Both of us are exactly the same with it. Once it gets a little bit negative, going both of us down. Just, well, that goes with the fear not part of you know, one of the things that Brett said uh, regarding where your focus is or what, mm-hmm. you're, what you're looking at, you know, fixing your eyes on Jesus, you know, that, that list of the positive things, yeah. you know, that's really a big part of where, where are you giving your attention to, you know, um, when you're going through difficult moments, when you're, when, you're, when you're hit with the impossible or what seems like the impossible situation. Fix your eyes on Jesus. You, if you need to fix your eyes on Jesus, turn your eyes towards him, give him your, your gaze and, and begin to see who he is in light of your situation, not your situation in light of who he is. Right. I remember in 2017 when the fires had happened and, um, you know, everybody's got crazy stories from that night and some are far more intense and, and crazy than others. But I know both of you were in areas where I think 
when we first started, when I first started talking to some other people on the staff the next morning, it was, we think John and Lauren's apartment went down. Oh yeah. And we think that oh, Brett yeah. and Eve's house went down. Yeah. And I think I talked to you, Brett, like 20 minutes later. And I don't know what your feelings really were, but, and I still, I was fairly new here. I'd only been here. I think John and I would been here six months or so. Not long. Um, it hadn't been long, but I remember talking to you right after, I think Erica had said, we think Brett and Eve's house went, went down last night because Coffee Park got hit. And I think I called you like 20 minutes later to ask you, do I need to stay here? or Can I go back to Modesto? And your chipper voice, you were fine. <laughs> you just seemed, you were like, <laughs> yeah, head back, go see your family. We'll get stuff figured out. It's fine. And I was like, <laughs> does sound you, like Brett. Though. Did you lose, is your house? Oh, we don't know. We're going to go drive by if we can later and see, you know, the damage and what happened. I was like so shocked because none of us had really slept because you're, you know, you, if you went to sleep at 10, you were up by midnight getting out of there right so yeah. like, nobody's been sleeping everybody's stressed out and there's no answers and i just remember thinking like uh i got <laughs> i have to not grumble so that actually surprisingly looking back on that i can't believe i remember it, but i remember hearing your tone and it influenced me that's to good. Not one of the grumble. few times that i acted in faith and oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh with the fires happening and it was the same kind of feeling of like what's going to happen what are we going to do what's the new normal this is crazy and then a few days later um we found out that that christina had passed away in the fire who oh, was part yeah. of our small group yeah, that and, was so sad and there was numerous times where you know i don't do this often but i just break down crying because i'm just yeah. like tired and i don't know how to don't know how to go about it. But what, what stuck out to me is that here we are, you know, not even three years removed from that. And I already, as soon as this started happening, started to be like, well, you know, this is, this is it, man. This is just going to be bad. And like, we saw God lift us through something crazy and unprecedented with, I think it was 7,500 structures or homes were, yeah. were burned yeah, down in right. Sonoma County and God brought the County through it. And there's, the church through it. And I think that there was a lot of great things that happened through that. There's people that became Christians through it and yeah. some great stories. But I look back and I go, why don't I remember what that, yeah. the provision and, and, and the, the protection and the, um, just the guidance that God gave us through that time as a church and as a, as a community to look at what now, like what do we really, do we ever really think that God's not going to get a, get us through this? Yeah, and, exactly. And it seems like we have to, um, learn it over and over and over and over again. I do think that um, probably even our listeners, you, you, you've grown more spiritually than you realize, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'd say it this way. You probably, you probably, your faith is stronger than you think. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though you have your setbacks, um, you know, you're, you're not stressing out or worried about your finances as much, maybe. Right. Um, than you used to and um you're enjoying more peace and joy. So we're growing. I think right. Christians need to celebrate that God is teaching you, but it, it does take time and it seems like we are slow to get it. You we know? we can find ourselves being a lot like the people Oh, yeah. That Moses was leading. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't it have been better to serve in Egypt than die in the wilderness? I can't, like, I, that might be, you, you mentioned uh, with uh, Lazarus that if you could sit down at an event, that Ooh, dinner table yeah. afterwards, I think one of the things, I would want to see Moses' facial reaction <laughs> to somebody saying, wouldn't it have been better to die in Egypt than, or serve in Egypt oh, than die in the wilderness? Uh, but then he says, fear not, stand firm. The salvation of the Lord 
which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have only to be silent uh, when you're going through through things. Don't start grumbling. That's what I wrote down here. Just Garrett, yeah. Don't don't start grumbling when you're going through something. Don't be let that still. be your, your first reaction. Be still. And then stand firm is where we ended it here. We need to uh, let's see. God doesn't need our help. I like that too. God doesn't need our help. That's always something I can't believe that I ever. Because I spent a lot of my time, you know, drawing up blueprints for God to be like, hey, let me help you. Let me help you out, God. You know, you're busy. Let me let me show you, give you a couple of hints on where my life should be going. Yeah, no, right and now. that's a and that's a big picture. I would encourage the listeners to go back through these miracles in uh, Exodus 14 and John 5, and then uh, John 11. We also did uh, we do John 6 or Mark 4. I guess we took Mark 4's uh, Jesus. Uh, calming down the waters, mm-hmm. but uh, it, particularly Exodus 14, John 11, and John 5, and see a picture of the gospel there, because you know the people yeah. are the people were in bondage. God freed them, and uh, and then God led them through the Red Sea. It was all Him, you know. So salvation is by grace through faith. It's mm-hmm. everything God does. The guy at the pool didn't do anything, mm-hmm. you know, and God healed him. Jesus healed him. And of course, Lazarus, uh, you know, being dead is a picture of us being spiritually dead. We hear the voice of God. We come to life. And it's all because of what Christ does for us. So mm-hmm. in this is a rich picture of the good news of the gospel and our own story of how we came to know Jesus mm-hmm. and what God did. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, it is. It is a big picture of be still and know that I'm God, and He does it. He does the work. Yeah, that's what I really like about the the picture of salvation in this particular miracle, right? Because it's about God's redempting of His people from slavery to Egypt. The picture is slavery to sin. Yes, uh, through the work of Christ, and that's that's a great thing to pick up from this miracle. That in the same way that. You know, you had the the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians. We today in 2020, we are slaves to sin until we are set free through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the Red Sea that we get to walk through. And that's identification with Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection. And, you know, the promised land is a picture of possessing the the promises of God or living that that full abundant life. Mm -hmm. So you're saved, but you're a young Christian and you want to possess all the promises. And, and you need to mature. But you need to mature, and, and you need to go through some trials. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. not going to be easy. Yeah. Not going to be easy. Yeah, and John 10, you know? Yeah. It's life. Yeah. So we could look back at this, and let me ask, uh, did did they learn? Did the Israelites learn? For a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, boy, you know, Can they, you be- they uh, that's what I couldn't. <laughs> I can't believe it, like, looking at this again, just to be like, you oh, still man. had a hard time after this? Like, what well, was the- even after they were went through the Red Sea and then they were walking in the wilderness, they still had a hard time depending on God right. and trusting that God would provide for them. But he parted them. the sea. Like that's and he oh, destroyed sure. the Egyptians. And yeah, and I mean, like it's just fed the manna. In the I mean, I agree with you, John. I'm yeah, saying yeah. like that's how I feel like in my own life. He's parted the sea already, and now uh, I'm already just back to like, well, I don't know what he's going to do this time, guys. Yeah. I guess we could say there's a real danger in us grumbling, complaining, doubting, and being in disbelief. There's a huge, huge danger. inherent danger of doing that, and we need to. Learn this, take this example and say, I love what you just said. You come home and you say, 
hey, honey, God's good. Let's just remind ourselves of his provision, his goodness, and not not slip into the downward spiral yeah. of unbelief. Essentially, yeah. it's unbelief, right? It's like God can't get us out of this. God can't yeah. provide for us. God can't. Yeah. Um. So th- the fact that the Israelites uh, were unable to seemingly learn from this and trust God is a warning to us. Be careful because it's easy to fall into this. Yeah. Do you think, do you still have struggles with you actually doubt God? Yeah. Both of you, not just you, Brett. <laughs> I mean, I, I think about this every now and then. Like, am I actually doubting God or is it just that my eyes are not focused on God? And that's, I mean, that in itself is doubting, right? Because I'm looking to something else um, to fix a problem or to help a problem. But do I actually ever doubt that God will get us through this and actually get us through it better than we actually hope for? You know, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't feel like I'm, you know, and I haven't been through that many trials. There's some people that are listening right now that have been through some things where it's like, Ooh, that's a real test. Yeah. That's a, I don't think I have, I've been through trials in my life. Um, but I, I feel like God's given me the, you know, the ability to have faith, to trust him with those. There mm-hmm. may be trials that come where I'm going to go, that doesn't fit in my understanding of God at all. And my understanding of God just needs to grow and I need to allow uh, the truth of who he is to be expanded. But uh, my, my faith has been tested, but I don't, I don't fall into this, oh, I can't believe in you, God, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Some people do. I well, understand it's, it. it's amazing to hear about all these guys. And there's, which musician was it recently that actually said, like, he, he's just lost his faith? Oh, yeah, from, uh, uh, what's his name? Hawk Nelson? Is Hawk that, Nelson, yeah, Hawk yeah. Oh, yeah. lead singer. He gave up his faith. And he's, there's there's I another guy. I like that guy. band, too. That's too bad. I Hawk like Nelson. Guys. They had a good oh, letters, letters to the President. They had a song about that, didn't they? Was that Hawk Nelson? I don't remember. I, I saw so. them at Spirit West Coast back in the day. And oh, I thought, that, these guys are awesome. 1990-something? Yeah. Well, I when we... When we were younger, there's a band MXPX. Did you ever listen to them? Yeah. So the lead singer of that band, these are Christian guys. Now they weren't a, uh, a like a Christian band, but they were Christian guys singing just you know, punk rock songs with appropriate lyrics. Right? They were just weren't the right. they weren't cursing and they weren't. But it was still secular music just done by Christian guys. And I found out fairly recently that uh, the lead singer has he's he's agnostic. Mm. and um, join, he's, he's with another band now, and none of those guys are Christians, and it just seems like he was just influenced by these yeah. other guys that are very smart people, so it's hard to not listen right. to these smart right. people, smart people. Yeah. about stuff, and so now it's just, and that's what he's, he's changed to, and it's just, it's surprising to me that you can lose your faith. Well, and that's faith. why we have to go through trials and see God deliver us so that our faith is can strengthened, can grow, yeah. and... Um, and read the Old Testament stories and New Testament stories to see this is how God works. I mean, this yeah. is the truth of Scripture. Because the Hawk Nelson guy just couldn't reconcile suffering in this world yeah. with with a God, a good God who loves you, and he couldn't reconcile. So then he's walking away from his faith. Well, if you read the Scripture, you see there's plenty of suffering. Yeah, and uh, and God does work through it. But this is a fallen world, yeah. so people need to have their faith strengthened. Let's go through now to week three, where since we're kind of talking about the struggles we're going through, the storms. Um, so Jesus knew the storm was going to become. Uh, what was the? What's the? I didn't write the verse down here. What's the the chapter we're in? Mark four thirty five. Yeah, beginning of verse thirty five. So he knew the storm was coming. Jesus initiated the disciples getting into the boat. It didn't surprise him. Uh, he knew the disciples had seen 
everything that Jesus had done. This is another thing. God just parted the Red Sea, Israelites, and now you're already going to doubt him again. Um, the the Israelites, or the, I mean, the disciples had already seen everything that Jesus had done. What was right before this? Uh, Jesus had been teaching all day, and um, so it was sort of at the end of the day. You know, I mean, he had done a variety of a variety of things, teaching parables and et cetera. I'm while. sorry, what I uh, was going to what specifically what miracles had happened before this? Oh boy, we have to look at the. You're sorry, looking at Mark six. Is that what you said? Yeah, no, uh, Mark chapter well, four, beginning in verse thirty-five, is the. Uh, them crossing over the sea the difference Galilee. between me taking notes on my computer to the phone are very funny because now it's just like bullet point bullet point bullet point not organized <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah no so they had i i think the disciples Blair, the they had already seen quite a bit in yeah. uh, john 4 can you imagine Mark 4, Mark can 4. you imagine witnessing one of these miracles and then getting into i mean and then and then immediately cuz we already talked about like if you could see jesus you know, perform one of these miracles. Like that would be amazing to be able to go back and just witness it. And they got to live this. They got to be with him. They got to hear him teach. They got to see him perform miracles and they get into this boat and the storm hits. It was, uh, how was the, you would, you explained how the storm happens on in yeah, this the, area. Uh, Mount, the geographic stuff that you explain is so it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Mount. Yeah. They, the storms and the sea of Galilee can come out of nowhere because you have Mount Hermon right there. Uh, in the and this is North Israel now, and Mount Hermon is seven thousand feet above sea level, and then you have the Sea of Galilee, which is seven hundred feet below. Is it an immediate drop? Yeah. Like, what's the? Yeah, I mean, so, not like it, but. I mean, it, it just is the difference in the elevation from seven hundred feet below sea level, which is Sea of Galilee, all the way up to seven thousand feet. You have warm air coming off of yeah. the low. I mean, is that of, miles apart, or is it like? Uh, well, 7,000 feet versus 700. Oh no, sorry. I'm, sa- I'm saying like the trajectory of like from the top of Mount Hermon down to the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, but Mount like Hermon's a- relatively close by. Okay, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, you just have these two different temperatures colliding. Um, it's a Sea of Galilee is the second most, uh, the lowest in terms of, uh, sea level lakes in the world because it's below yeah below sea level so anyway our guide our our israel the guide in israel said oh yeah he's been on the sea of galilee when they barely got out wow so uh how big is it it's uh it's big i mean they were going from one end to the other it's almost like a lake tahoe yeah oh wow uh yeah it's it's huge yeah yeah that's like uh I think 50 miles long. I, no, I can't remember now. John, you can Wikipedia the Sea of Galilee. It's it's a big it's a big lake. Yeah, yeah it's pretty big. It's uh eight miles wide. Wow. Yeah, eight miles wide, and uh, it's it's forty one thousand acres. I can't even an acre. I can't picture it's, it's that. Big. What the depth? What is the, the depth? What's the, the church? How many acres are we depth. on here? We're on sixty acres. Okay, so let's multiply <laughs> uh, that by a lot. It's not. It's not two D. One hundred forty-one feet varying is the max. Oh, okay, depth. so it's All pretty right. shallow. Not like uh, Lake Tahoe. Then. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, but you know, I was looking back at some of the different um, healings prior to Mark four. So you got yeah. you got a number of them. You know, with the withered hand that Jesus heals, healing the paralytic, Jesus healing Mary. Jesus heals a man with an unclean spirit. And now that all comes after Jesus calls the first disciples. Right. right. So they had seen some, they had seen, seen they had seen the miracles. And so they get in the boat, they start crossing this crazy storm comes out of nowhere and they, 
they basically, they just like the Israelites, they freak out and yeah. they start to, they wake Jesus up. And I love that you said they basically woke him up to say, come on, be anxious with us. Freak <laughs> out with us. What Jesus. are you doing? Don't you care that we're going to die here? Um, <laughs> and, you know, and Jesus gets, a, and I, again, I, this is my, my phone notes. So I didn't write the scripture down. Can one of you read this? You may read the whole thing. Yeah, go for it. Uh, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, they took, they took him with them in the boat, uh, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking against the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I love that. And they woke him and said to him, Even teacher, Jesus needs naps, guys. And he had a cushion, too. I like that. Uh, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to another, Who, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. I can't, another one. I just can't imagine being there for this. Yeah, I like when he says to them uh, in verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? That's the English uh, ESV translation. Uh, the King James Version uh, has it, or it could be translated. It could be translated this. Where is your faith? Where? So uh, do you still have no faith or where is it? No, where is it located? It's like, is it <laughs> back to John 5, the pool of Bethesda? Is that your answer? Oh, or where is your good. faith? Interesting. Where is your faith located right now? I like that. Uh, is it in Jesus or is it in something else? Wow. You know, so, uh, and then I love, I love Mark asking this question. Who is this that even the wind and the, or they said, the uh, yeah, that records this. It sounds like Brett in Israel a couple years ago. Yeah, who, who is, is this? this who is The this wind Jesus? and the waves obey him. It was you. You taught this passage I did. on the yeah. Sea of Galilee. You did a great job. It was pretty, it was pretty surreal to be on the Sea of Galilee, read this passage, teach on it, and to be able to understand that this was the location, the location where the, the, the storm did oh, hit. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. It's, it's just, um, it's real, but it, I, I love that. I, I never thought about that way. Where is your faith? Where is it located? Yeah. Wow. What a good yeah, what thought. Is it That's a whole nother sermon in and of itself. Yeah. What are you looking so at? So I need yeah. a miracle part two sequel. Oh yeah. Hey, and that's coming. That. We're getting yeah, motivated right. here because there's yeah. other miracles we could talk <laughs> yeah, about. We could. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I loved that is, that is really cool. Brett, did you know you do a good job, Brett? Did you know that? You guys, you know, this is a, my a little encouragement when I come into these podcasts. Here. We compliment Brett often to make sure he listens. <laughs> Although no, I did listen to one where you guys were ripping me apart on one. <laughs> I, I we decided. Never. <laughs> thought, I need to be at those things now. Yeah. Uh, I love that you said this. Not only does Jesus care, Jesus can. Mm. Uh, and then what's your storm in, your, in, in life? And um, I had... I had mentioned this uh, last week on the podcast when we started our new worship podcast with the worship team talking about uh, worship off the stage and beyond the stage. And I talked about one of the bigger storms in my life that happened actually at the beginning, uh, right at the beginning of COVID. And my dad had had a heart attack and I started going through some health issues that were really scary to me and frustrating. And the storm in my life was I mean, it just everything was crashing down because I'm also a creature of habit. So like when COVID hits and we get a text Sunday morning at like 5.30 a.m. from Kiki saying, you know, Sonoma County has a, has a case, so we're not having church today. It's like, oh man, 
out of routine for Sunday, you know, and then it's now it's four months in and we're out of routine. But it was this crazy storm for my own personality to to have hit in my life. And it was, I mean, it was so, it was difficult. It was hard. And I isolated myself a little bit. I didn't even tell anybody about it for, you know, four to six weeks where I just kind of was like, you know what? It's probably nothing. It was some health stuff. I'm like, it's probably nothing. Get some tests done. But then COVID hits and I can't get the test done because oh they, goodness, you know, it's yeah. all, it's all, um, what's not voluntary, uh, Elective. Elective. Yeah, elective. All elective. And then we find out, you know, it's something that's not that big of a deal, but now I can't get it taken care of because it's an elective procedure and just all this stuff. And it was just this really frustrating time for me where it was, uh, it was fear. It was anxiety. It was health. Uh, it was also financial because now it's medical bills and it just, it's crazy amount of stuff that was stacking up for my own, uh, my own little tiny brain to handle. And, uh, I love that you say, not only does Jesus care, which I already know, but Jesus can. And I also know that, but remember that Jesus can, God can get me through this storm. God, and he will, he can, he will, he can part the sea, he can calm the storm, all of this stuff. And and so it's just a great reminder. Yeah. I love what Spurgeon says. Uh, he says, is your faith alloyed with Mm. self-confidence? Don't become absorbed in your trial. Are you looking at the wind and the waves so much that you aren't seeing Jesus? Yeah. That's good. And then we're back to fix your yeah. eyes on Jesus, right? Stand, stand Don't firm. Don't look at the wind and the waves so right. much. And oh, walking yeah. on water, what's he look at? What's he get scared yeah, of? Peter, well, this a, yeah, Peter, when he looks Yeah, I was just going to say that. was just a, Peter. Yeah. You know, Peter was looking at the waves around him, you know, as opposed to keeping his eyes on Jesus. And uh, out of his fear, he began to sink. Yeah. 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 We and do the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Sinking all the time, I feel like. Yeah. But the fear of Jesus, different kind of fear. This was cool too to think about the, the fear difference between the drastic difference between f- the fear of the, for their lives, the fear of their safety, um, to all of a sudden, who is this guy yeah. that mm. can just say to the to the storm, chill, and it just immediately, immediately, and not like mm. not like that's the other thing too. It's not like the weather just kind of kind of slowly comes down yeah. and the winds slow down a little bit. I mean, um, not to mention the, I mean, the fire thing again, but the wind that week, it was like the winds needed to die down. We kept yeah. praying, like the, let the winds die down to stop the spread of this fire. Um, and there's been, I think it was, I don't know, two months ago or so there was like the hailstorm that happened for like two minutes. And then it was oh, all of yeah. a sudden it was, it was just really clear intense. and then it was yeah. sunny outside. And mm-hmm. it's, I can't imagine. Cause that was, that felt intense. I can't imagine what this would have been like all yeah. of a sudden, just like it's the off contrast. like the Truman show where they just turn the storm <laughs> off. <laughs> it seems to me such, such a funny picture because they're all yelling, Oh, don't you care? We're all going to die. We're going to die. And next thing he, he speaks to it and it's immediately calm and they're still going, we're going to die. We're going to die. They look around and they go, uh, <laughs> you know, that was a funny scene. <laughs> Oops. Who is this? <laughs> Who is this? Well, and the idea of, be still like he tells yeah. he tells the storm to be still and in a sense too like i think back to how we were just talking about telling you know moses and the people you need just to be still you know let god yeah, be let god, god. let him work he's powerful he's able he can and he will um he is faithful that's a part of this um this whole idea of miracles is that you know he's faithful to to work in your life he yes. is he really is he will and he cares about you. He loves you. He knows everything that is on your heart. He knows where you are and how you're struggling through it. And he cares and he's, he's with you. The scriptures say, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the way you ended it. And, um, John, you can see on my notes here, I wrote down just bullet point after bullet point where I, uh, I basically just quoted you on each of these bullet points. So I want to read this. 
I said, you asked over and over, who is this? Who is Jesus, the Son of God? When you went to Israel, you walked a place where you walked to a place where a miracle happened. You ask, who is Jesus? Two thousand years ago, I don't know, but something happened here. Mm-hmm. Who is Jesus Christ? The gospels, sh- the gospels show that it's unmistakable. We have been visited by the Son of God. Who's in this boat? Who is this? He's the Son of God. The Son of God is in the boat with you. All the strength, direction, and peace that you need, you have it in Christ. Remember the things that you learn into the next storm. And then I wrote at the very end, that's hard to do sometimes. It which is. is. Which is. It's the lesson of our life. Yeah. It really is. Who is Jesus Christ? Yeah. And the bigger your God, the smaller, you know, uh, yeah. the smaller your fear, the, the bigger your God, uh, the greater your peace. You right. Know? And the smaller your God, the smaller your peace, that yeah. kind of a thing. And people, people are so afraid today. They're just mm-hmm. fearful. Is it because their God is too small? Isn't the lesson of life to realize how great God is, how able he is mm-hmm. to provide, how, how faithful he is, how much he loves us? That's just the lesson of life. No way to learn it unless you go through a storm. Right, right. There was, uh, you know, you, we're talking about how big God is. Um, a long time ago, when I was first starting out in ministry, the uh, there was a, a DVD going around of one of Louis Giglio's things where he talked about how big the stars and stuff were. Right? How great is our God, right? Yeah, was yeah, and it was big. I mean, indescribable. You probably used it too at like youth camps and stuff, right? He talked about like golf balls. Yeah, it was and... if the Earth was the size of a golf ball. <laughs> yeah, right. So John was real attracted to that. Right. But he did this thing where, and this had such like a huge props, impact okay. on my life. You do. You're a, you're an analogy. I like, I like props, analogies, props, illustrations. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. Um, but he did this whole analogy with the if the Earth was the size of a golf ball, and he had to explain a couple things, and he does a couple of quick little numbers things where he he talks about um, this star. First of all, he says that. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all their hosts by the breath of his mouth. And now he's going to talk about how big these stars are. And he says, let's go back. Let's figure out what these numbers are first. So 1 million seconds ago is 12 days ago. 1 billion seconds ago is 1976. 1 trillion seconds ago is 29,700 BC. And 1 quadrillion seconds ago is 30.8 million years ago. So that was just to put in perspective the numbers, how big those numbers are. If you're talking about a quadrillion, and even if you go seconds, you're talking about 30.8 million years ago. Uh, so he talks about this star, and he says it's called uh, let's see, Musifi. Um, three <laughs> Musifi, three thousand light years away. That means you'd have to travel 186,000 miles per hour for three thousand years to get there. Um, and then he says, I hope your jaw, your jaw is dropping. So if the earth was the size of a golf ball, Musifi would be the width of two Golden Gate bridges side or back to back, um, 2.7 quadrillion earths fit inside that star. Um, and then wow. he talks about a big star, man. the next big, and that's not even the biggest one. So he goes to the next one and he says the earth was the size of a golf ball. Um, this star would be Canis Majoris, uh, which translates to the big dog star. Um, so the earth would be, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, this star would be the height of Mount Everest and seven quadrillion earths can fit inside this star. Oh my and that's goodness. enough golf balls. If the earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas and golf balls, 22 inches deep. And it was like, he does this at the end too. He goes, this is, let's say this is the earth and somewhere you're on it. Can you see where you are? Can you see which golf ball you're on? And that, you know, all over Texas. And I, because it's just such a, 
fascinating way to look at how big God is. Like a great, you like that analogy, right? The Absolutely, golf balls. yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I love that great picture, picture because Gosh, yeah, God's big, big, he's big. He's massive. Bigger. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and I'm worried about a little health issue. Oh, like that's the thing. It's like he breathed out these stars <laughs> that are bigger than our minds can even fathom. Yeah. Um, it's just so cool to think about. I think, I think preaching and teaching and our own personal Bible study is just bringing us back to a reminder of that, how right. big God yeah. is, how much he loves you, his grace. We just need to be reminded every single day. Right. I want to go to week four now um, with Lazarus. Now, this was, if you were here, if you were here at the church on the lawn, you heard Carl Romas speak. Um, but if you watch online, you will see Brett speak. So they spoke on the same passage about Lazarus. So if you were here at church on the lawn, um, watch the one online. It's on our YouTube channel. You can check that out and hear Pastor Brett's message on it, because that's what we're going to talk about here. So um, I wanted to go through this, too. And you jumped around a lot in this, uh, let's see, John 11. Yeah, there's um, like 44 verses in the narrative, and I thought yeah. if I go through 44 verses, I'm going to kill them. So. Yeah, we won't go through all 44 <laughs> no, now. No pun but we'll, intended we'll the... with Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some of the stuff that just stuck out to me at first. Do, uh, John, I'll actually let you start. Oh, wait, no. I'll start Fine. on this one. Yeah. Uh, so he waited. This is the thing that was fascinating to me was, was his wait, um, th- that he waited. He got word from Martha uh, that Lazarus was ill, and then he waited two more days. <laughs> And Lazarus, so that Lazarus would die. Right. And, and be in the grave yeah. four days by the time he got there. Yeah. Right. So he waits two days so he could perform the ultimate miracle by the time he'd been there four days. So uh, I wanted to ask just a little bit. You explained a tiny bit just that four days, the significance of it was that the Jews believed that the soul didn't leave the body until after the third day. That's right. What's the? Is there more reason why it's three days? Um, is, that ju- is that prophetic because of Jesus? Uh, raising again in three days instead of his soul leaving his body? Is there something? Yeah, you know, I didn't uh, I didn't see a lot about that in particular, but just that this was an unmistakable miracle Okay, was the idea. He waited, he waited so he's that there'd be no dead. doubt. Yeah, he's definitely dead. <laughs> Do you uh, see what I wrote there? He's definitely dead. Definitely dead. Oh, no, dead. I, wrote, I wrote mostly dead versus all dead, which from uh-huh. the Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, he's mostly okay. dead, not <laughs> Most, all dead. Oh, that's right. That's what so, that yeah, I think of. that's why Jesus waits. And, um, you know, it seems like sometimes God waits on doing things in our life. It's like, why is he waiting? This seems mm-hmm. so uncaring. Why didn't he, as soon as he heard, why didn't he immediately go there? You know, yeah. he waits because he's going to do something greater. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to do something even more significant uh, in his love for Mary, Martha, mm-hmm. and of course, Lazarus. Right. So we, yeah. God's, uh, God's delays do not mean God's denials. Right. It's not, mm-hmm. That's yeah. not my quote. I don't know whose it is. I was going to say, Brad, it's that's good a that quote. I, I went back. I was like, whose quote was that? And you just say a writer. Yeah, a writer. I a think writer. it might have been Max Lucado. Okay. <clears throat> God's uh, delays are not God's denials. So I wanted to also... Um, Talk a little bit about, Mar- now Martha says, um, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day, but if you'd only been here, this wouldn't be over. Um, you had talked, to, I think in verse uh, four, where she says that I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll do it. I was wondering, did, now did she have, was this Martha showing faith or was this, her basically saying like, I know that, that something great could have happened if you would have been here. Like, was she to the point where. Yeah. She seems to be, she seems to be at a place where 
if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's okay. like, you know, now that he's dead, there's nothing you can do. Uh, but in the future, you know, in the future, my brother will rise again. And so she's putting off. She's not grumbling. She's yeah. I don't. She's, I don't think she's grumbling. Um, but it's like there's nothing you can do right now, Jesus. And that's why in uh, verse twenty five, when Jesus says, "You know, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection mm-hmm. and the life." He, she he's saying to Martha, "I'm what you need right now. It's not I do resurrections or I raise people from the dead. I am that very mm-hmm. thing." Like I, I mentioned in the sermon online that when I do funerals, people will talk about, you know, the future, hoping to see this person again. And, and all the hope is sort of pushed into the future, right? right? But what about what I need right now? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life right now. I'm what you need right now. Right now. That's cool. Yeah. That's what everyone needs right now. Yes. Everyone needs a spiritual we need his life in resurrection us now. in us, his strength in us. Yeah. So. And then we get eternal life later too. Yeah. Which right. is. Uh, it uh, reminded me, you had also talked about going to funerals where you have people come up and say, you know, I hope, I hope to see you again on yeah. the other side. Right. And, right. Um, that kind of putting just, off the hope to later. Jesus says, no, no, you have it right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You um, and that was what you just kept, it's it's later. It's later. And I get so sad um cuz I I'm usually here when you do any memorial service here. Yeah. And I love you don't you don't hold back on sharing the gospel at all, which I love because it's often there's probably a lot of people, not probably. There are a lot of people that Most come of them are not to Christians. funerals that are not Christians and they likely only step foot in a church for a wedding or a funeral. That's right. And so it's the opportunity to share the gospel and there's, you know, the contrast of people that speak at the funerals is often, um, I don't want to say it's humorous, but it is the, the contrast is humorous, but what's actually being said to me is really sad because you'll hear one person come up and really show that they have this strong faith that this person had a relationship with Christ and, and I will see them in heaven. And you can tell there's still, there's a hope, there's a joy about, uh, talking about their loved one in a way that they know that they believed in Christ. So they know that they're going to see him again. But then you get, you get some other people that come up and talk about him, and it's all just about, man, they were so great. And, you know, I, I, right. I hope that I get to. It's not a confidence. It's definitely more of just like a, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's really sad yeah. to see when somebody doesn't have, when you do a funeral where there are people that are, um, that are unbelievers that especially if you do a funeral for somebody who was an unbeliever. Yeah. It's uh what do you say? I, I, I will turn it. If I know the person, if I'm not sure where the person was at, uh, spiritually, or even if I know where they're at spiritually, I guess it doesn't matter. I turn to the reality of the mm-hmm. resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I often use this story in John 11 and mm-hmm. talk about how, uh, Christ you know, can raise you from the dead. I mean, I kind of, we've already talked enough about the person who's died and people have remembered it. When I get up there, I turn it to them mm-hmm. and uh, encourage them uh, to, that they can grieve with hope. Yeah. And uh, we're not to grieve as the world does, the scripture says. The The world grieves without hope. That's not the believer. We grieve. We don't deny our emotions. Like in this passage, Jesus wept. Jesus was troubled when he went to the to the tomb. Jesus had his emotion. Feel your emotion, but don't do so without hope. He's the resurrection and the life. Right, right. I am. I love that the, um, you went through a few of the verses. Yeah, the uh, present says, tense. I am the life. Uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am. 
Um, so John eleven thirty two, Lord, if you'd been there, you wouldn't have died. There was no, you know, no hope right there. Um, couldn't, uh, oops, I lost my spot. Yeah. The there. Pharisees say, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't this one who opened the, the eyes of the blind have kept Stop this man from, from dying? dying? And the, you know, in the narrative, the emphasis is on, he could have kept him from dying, but now that he's dead, you know, yeah, it's gone. There's nothing we can do. Yeah. yeah. Death is the final enemy that is uncon, you know, un, inconquerable. Yeah. Um, the, the statistics are death. Yeah. One, 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 one people one die one people. and that's it. Yeah. Hovers yeah. right around a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked about the emotions of Jesus, which was also really fascinating to me. We're, um, I believe now, John, are you a feeler? We have a lot of this, this talk around here about <laughs> thinkers and feelers. I would probably <laughs> say I'm more of a feeler than I am a thinker. You would okay. have wept if you went to the Oh, time. I yeah, would have You would have been bawling. I'm a, I'm a crier. You know, I can picture. So I actually, when you when you talked about this, because because I sit in a lot of meetings with Kiki and Ash, <laughs> and um, I'm the feeler of that group. I pictured this situation with Kiki and Kiki just being just being like, quit crying. Quit he's crying. He's raise him heaven. from the dead. He's yeah, in he's in heaven. Quit crying. <laughs> Why are you crying about this? Um, and I envy that. I I really do. I envy that. I envy that. But I also love to see. This is so uh, impactful for me. Also that. Um, wept i think you said the better translation would be sobbed yes and it was it was noticeable to people how much jesus cared was this the first time people had seen this kind of emotion from jesus do you know Uh, he um you know the other the other occasion in which jesus weeps is when he is coming into jerusalem on Mm. palm sunday so which is after this right uh yeah i'm trying to think of where we are in the narrative here in john 11 then 12 he's anointed then 13 the upper room so this is actually after the triumphal entry. Oh, okay. Time in that uh, time frame there. Um, Crazy week for Jesus. Yeah, a lot of weeping. He's weeping for Jerusalem because Jerusalem won't won't embrace him as yeah, yeah, yeah. the Messiah, and he's weeping over their condition. Um, and then here, a lot of them, he has weeping, which is his grief, and then he's troubled. Uh, he's he's irritated, uh, and he's troubled. And he weeps. There's three different emotions that are that are described here. He's irritated at what death does to people. He is weeping over his love for Lazarus, and he's troubled. And this is the one that's most interesting to me. Right. When he goes to the tomb, he's troubled. And commentators suggest that he's he's pondering his own death, which would would be just a few days later. And that if he doesn't go to the cross, and if he if he shrinks back from going to the cross, then even though he raises Lazarus once, Lazarus will be gone forever if he doesn't finish his work on the cross. Mm. And they, they suggest that, he's, that his troubled emotion is his struggle with what he has to do to make uh, Lazarus uh, eternal life possible. Yeah. Because Lazarus, of course, was raised and then he died again, right? Uh, but without eternal cross, life, not... without the cross, that's, the eternal life's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, the, the fact that Jesus was very close to Lazarus, that he really cared. I mean, not that he doesn't care about somebody else, but just that he had this relationship with Lazarus, that he really cared, um, and was, was grieving, but also those other emotions. It's really, um, I think a lot of these, these stories, I have the tendency sometimes to, uh, if I haven't looked at them in a while to only remember the, I'll call it like the Sunday school version of it and not remember these details about him and just remember kind of what I would have learned in the overall story of the, 
um, what you would tell a, a young child to understand that, that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You wouldn't get all of this stuff because a child wouldn't necessarily understand all about this emotion, right? And so looking back at this, knowing that Jesus had these emotions for a friend of his, a, a, someone that he really cared for as a human, and seeing that side of the man, because you really, you really can relate to, if you lose a loved one, if you lose a friend, relate to that, that emotion. And then to know that it's on him, to know that Lazarus is going to get to be with him in, for eternity is yes. just another level that we don't get to comprehend because we can't understand that we're not the savior, you know? Yeah. And yet Jesus identifies with all of our emotions. Yeah. You know, he identifies with our grief. He identifies with being troubled in spirit. He identifies with our, our anger and he, yeah. he's felt it all. So when we come to him, we have a, a savior that uh, understands us yeah. better than we understand ourselves. Yeah, I, I think we don't you, have a high priest that's unable to sympathize mm-hmm. with what we're going through. Yeah, yeah. Hebrews. You had this uh, this quote from Max Lucado: "We don't need someone to fix us up; we need someone to raise us up," which is a really good quote. Also, what was the rest of the quote? I didn't write the rest of that down. Do you have that there, Brett? Uh let's see. Where is Maxie? Maxie for Maxie. Near the Cato. end of your week four. Uh, near the end, I found my uh, my RC Sproul quote. Um, yeah. here's Calvin. <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. We don't need someone to fix us up. We need someone to raise us up in the muck and the mire of what we call life. There is death and we have been in it so long. We've grown accustomed to the stink, but Christ hasn't. Uh, we are the corpse and he is the corpse caller. We are the dead, and he is the dead raiser. And then you said, some say that Jesus said specifically Lazarus, so not all the dead guys would walk yeah, out of there. Yeah, and, and he had to call Lazarus out, not uh, just dead man come, come out. out, or the whole cemetery would have emptied. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. If you ever want to go back and witness a biblical event, this would be one of them, is yes. what you also said. Oh. Now, you were talking Take about- Take off his grave clothes and set him free. And yeah. then go sit down at dinner with him, right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> just can't I can't picture it, but well, any uh, any final thoughts here about I need a miracle, the whole series as a whole? Yeah, I think people ought to remember that God works uh, primarily through providence now, and that these miracles uh, in the New Testament are recorded so that we know He's the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you should expect uh, direct miracles, although God can obviously do that. But if someone's blind to just expect that, you know, if they have enough faith, they're going to have their eyes opened like the case in John 9. I, I think that, you know, we just have to trust that God's, he does work uh, primarily through providence. He, he, he arranges the events of our day-to-day lives in such a way where his hand is unmistakable. God can uh, and does do direct miracles for his purposes, but we have to be careful. Don't make him mechanical. Don't make God. Like if you just have enough faith, you get what you want yeah. and that kind of thing. That's, that's to make God like he's some kind of a, you know, a machine that you plug in the code and you get what you want. And, and he's personal. He's not mechanical. And then I would see the gospel pictured in all of these miracles. What's the yep. gospel? We were dead and, yep. and Christ raised us from the, from the death. You're going to say something, John? I was just going to say that the gospel, remembering the gospel and all of it, not yeah. missing not missing yourself in it, not missing the fact that all of us, you know, are in need of the great miracle, which is our spiritual death being raised to new life with Christ. And 
you know, I, I, I love the book of John because, you know, it, it's, it's primarily written so that people would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, right. believe in their heart, um, confess him as Lord, that, that they would be saved, you know, as Paul would say. And all of these signs, all these miracles, what do these point to? You know, that's kind of the big question. You know, of every miracle, it's a sign. And what is this sign saying about Jesus? Um, understanding that as you go back and you reread these miracles that you that you see in John, you know, what do these signs of these miracles say about Jesus? And then how does that then apply to your specific situation that you find right. yourself in right yeah. right now? Um, but the gospel picture is 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 such an important part, and really. Every time we get on this podcast, every time you hear someone, you know, open up their Bible and, and begin teaching on it, that's always got to be something that we have our our antennas up for is, you know, where's the gospel in all of this? Where right. am I in yes. all of this? How, 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 how do we look to Jesus and the cross and the resurrection and the new life and the hope of heaven in, in all of these things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett, do you want to uh, maybe like a one Short paragraph about Romans 1 through 8. Yeah, that's a great segue, John, because I'm going to get into uh, the gospel, Mm -hmm. which is pictured here in these miracles uh, in uh, Romans 1 to 8. So uh, we're going to kick it off this week. I'm so excited with verses 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for in it is the power of God Mm. unto salvation to the one who believes from faith to faith. And so, uh, yeah, we'll talk about the gospel for the next eight weeks. I can't wait. All right. And we'll come do this mid-series after week three or four. We'll come in with, um, I'll, I'll schedule it so, Brett, we can get you in here. And we'll do a mid-series recap where we'll talk through some of those first through few weeks. Are you teaching uh, the first four? Yes. Okay. Yes. So, and then, are, do you know if anybody's going to be coming into? It's hard to say two months from now what's going to be going on. But yeah. It, yeah. We don't know. Are what, there any guest speakers the, lined up? Or we only plan a week in advance right, <laughs> right. now. <laughs> We're not sure what's to come. You Garrett, know? Garrett Ward's Pretty teaching in August. Yeah, he's going to do right? first Wednesday in August, which yeah. I'm excited about that. You can't miss a Garrett Ward preaching opportunity, no, you know? No, it's ex- he's done a good it's job. It's hard to get him. We have to schedule him weeks in advance. Yeah. Uh, he's so busy. Or months in this case. Months in advance. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming down. Uh, so this weekend, we've got church online and church on the lawn. So our normal service times, you can watch the service at... 8.15, 9.30, or 11.15 on Sunday, or 5.30 on Saturday. Or you can catch it on YouTube on demand, um, or come join us down on the lawn and worship with us. Enjoy the weather, which should be a little bit nicer this weekend than last weekend. Was Cooler. Really hot. Cooler, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah. So church on the lawn is great. Uh, hope to see you this weekend, or hope you join us online. Have a great week.